Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Cool Hands Luke and Midnight Express. What we have here is a failure to come up with a joke. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Even whenever you're trying to do the, uh, the like, healthy alternatives for stuff, like wild rice instead of white rice or something like that, there's still too much of it in there. Yeah. It's pretty much no bread, no potatoes, no rice, no grains of any kind. Yeah. Fuck that. I'll probably get to bring some of that back, but I got a bunch of weight to lose first. <laughs> well, it's I'm, not easy. Yeah, I'm trying to lose 30 pounds by October. We'll see how that works. That's a reasonable goal. It, it, some, it, it's summer's a hard time, though. I've been doing it for two weeks, and I've lost five pounds. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I wish what? you the best of luck. Plus, I have that ridiculous fucking Harry Potter game to do. <laughs> go play so that I'm walking around a little bit more. Oh, I don't even know about this. Is there a Harry Potter game? That's like, Is it kind of like that Pokemon one? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, no. It very much is Pokemon Go. Okay. It's just, it's just Pokemon Go with with wizards and shit. Okay. They're, they're pretty much the exact same game. Yeah, I, I've never played Pokemon Go. It's a shocking turn of events. Yeah, it's just have you ever done any geocaching games? No. It's, it's, uh, I once went old school geocaching back when you had to like look up the location of the little thingies and Right, right, right. Like but that wasn't voluntary, that was girlfriend driven. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close to the same thing because you kinda have to figure out where the best uh like where there's a lot of things together so that you're not wasting your time walking for like five miles and hitting one thing. But on I'm, the other hand, you're probably good for you to walk five miles and hit one thing because you need the right. exercise. Right, but it's better to walk five miles and hit like 30 things. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I live right next door to uh, God, I, I can never remember the name of the cemetery. It's either Washington Cemetery or Lincoln Cemetery, but it, it, but it's confusing because Abraham Lincoln's buried there, and I don't think the cemetery is named after him, even though he's buried there. Oh, okay. Which is real weird, but because of that, that cemetery is absolutely filled with monuments, and monuments are usually geocaching spots. So there's like 80 of them over there if you just want to walk the whole thing, but... Hmm. Then you'd be walking the whole thing, and yeah, sounds very exciting. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. The only bad thing is I usually take my dog with me, 
and it's not a big deal, and I'm good about picking up after him. But man, you get dirty looks whenever your dog takes a shit in the cemetery. Everybody's like, uh, "How dare you!" And it's like I'm picking it up. There's dirt. There's dirt on top of your loved ones. That the shit's not getting anywhere near them. Yeah, and I mean, like, what do you do? It's dog, right? It's not like I'm letting him piss on headstones or something. I used to when I went for my lunchtime walk at work. I used to pass through a cemetery, and then I would get dirty looks sometimes from like mourners at funerals because you're just strolling through with like headphones in, and it's like, well. I'm not here to see you guys. Like I'm not trying to interfere with your thing. I didn't know you were going to be right where I was walking. I'll go around. It's fine. You just don't own the place. I find that people did. Uh, people get a little testy around cemeteries for some reason. Yeah, they they definitely do. Come on, lighten up, guys. Yeah, people get people get real weird about it. I don't know. I, I suppose it's one of those things. To me, it's just a corpse. I guess everybody else thinks that their magical undead corpse is going to raise a judgment day or something. I don't know. I, I understand the concept of having a place to visit your past loved ones because it makes people feel better. Right. But you got to recognize that it's in a public space where there's going to be other people. Yeah, it's it's essentially a super goth park whenever it comes down to it. <laughs> slides. If they put in slides and shit, there would be no difference between a cemetery and a public park. Yeah. I mean, there'd still be a little bit of a difference because there's fewer bodies at the park. But... I, yeah. I also think I've decided what I want my headstone to be. It's a slide? <laughs> Just a slide. And not, and not like a fancy marble slide. Like a uh, big-ass plastic slide. Like, yeah, like the Home Depot, just the yellow slide that you can attach oh, yeah. to anything. Yeah. That makes sense. You have to have a ladder up one side and a slide down the other. Yeah. Here here lies Noah, motherfuckers. <laughs> the, the slide has, just for fun, the slide has to drop you off in an open grave. So you'd have to buy two plots, like one in front of the other. So what what movies did we watch? <laughs> I can't even remember what the um, fuck. We were doing prison movies this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Kinda. We're doing long ass prison movies. About guys who don't like being in prison. That's our, that's our theme for the week. Is, well, is, maybe we should start with Cool Hand Luke, because is that okay. true? Is that the reason why he's trying to escape? Uh, okay. So give us a plot description of Cool Hand Luke, and then we'll uh, move on and we'll have a discussion about what's going on in that movie. Uh, so Cool Hand Luke is about one of those dudes who's kind of likable, but he's also just a miserable cocksucker that likes to stir the shit. Yeah. And... Uh, and he gets arrested for stirring the shit. He goes to jail. He's probably got a pretty light sentence because, I mean, it's basically municipal vandalism that he gets arrested for, which, I mean, maybe that's five years or something, but it's not a big deal. But he goes to prison, and he just uh, just continues to stir shit until it ruins his entire life. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I got from it. Yeah, I mean... I th- I think the idea we're supposed to get is that he's like a strong-willed person and he goes to prison and he refuses to let it break him. Um, And he sort of stands up to it the whole time until it eventually does result in him kind of getting him killed. But, like, I got to agree with you, he's a bit of a shit disturber. If he would just have not been a dick, he wouldn't have had so many problems. Right. Like, my biggest problem with this movie is I'm not... 
I don't. I posted something about on Facebook about it. I don't understand what the point of this movie is because there's no there's no real plot to be seen in the entire movie, and and then every character is a static character. Nobody has changed from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. So. So what is this movie? This movie is literally yeah. just like watching a dude doing what a dude does. That's what a short film's supposed to be, not one that's over two hours long. Yeah, like uh, I'm not going to completely disagree with you. Like I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, here's Luke. He comes in. He doesn't take shit from anybody. Initially, everybody hates him, but he kind of earns their respect by not taking their shit. And so we get that scene where he's put into a boxing match with one of the other prisoners and he refuses to stay down because he just doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. I like the fact that he basically wins the fight by continuing to get up until the other guy feels bad about hitting him. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I actually do think it's a, it's a well executed scene. Like when he's, when he's hitting him and getting, and the other prisoners are like the prisoners are all gathered around cheering on this fight and they start to walk away because they're like, I don't want to watch right, him right. get beat anymore. I, I think that's really well done. Uh, the problem is the whole scene is kind of unearned because we haven't been given this backstory of him as this guy who refuses to quit. And we haven't been given enough of the, like nobody respects him and he has to earn their respect stuff. Right, like he's see, and that's that's another problem though, because I I get I get that I think what they were going for is that he just won't quit, right? But I don't, but it doesn't come off like that. He's just a person who gives so little shit that his giving so little shit allows him to coast through situations where other people wouldn't be able to handle it. Well, and I think part of the problem is that we're supposed to believe he like he just won't quit in this fight. But he doesn't give a shit about anything else. So why does he give a shit about getting up during this fight? And that's where the character needs to be better developed in those early parts of the movie right. so that we understand him. Yeah, because to, like, to me it comes off as a cross that he just he doesn't care that he's getting beaten. Like, he just doesn't care. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that yeah. he's some tough badass that's going to keep swinging. It's just that he doesn't give a shit. He's just going to keep getting up until then. Once again, until the other guy feels bad. He's just going to keep getting up because he doesn't care. Yeah, and and that's where we need to either going into the scene or establish it later on. You can have it explained later in the film. Explain what is his motivation for getting up, and it's never really established. And like I say, I think the the idea is we're supposed to be we're supposed to be like getting behind this character and saying like, yeah, like nobody can keep him down. The other prisoners have come to respect him, and eventually the guards are gonna know not to push him because they can't beat him. But it doesn't really come across that way. So what we get is this like kind of a cool character and we see him do a series of things, but I don't really understand what the point of that is. So there's another scene that comes the next scene. And now that he's got the respect of this uh, one kind of lead prisoner guy, the next scene is he sits down and plays poker with them. We watch him play one hand and he basically slow plays a guy and completely bluffs him into taking all his money. And that's how he earns his, his nickname, Cool Hand Luke. And we're, we're like, I don't, you gotta show more of the poker game or something, or have him lose a couple of times and learn how to beat <laughs> right. these guys, or show that he has somehow figured out how to poke that guy's buttons and trick that guy into betting, or do something. Like just having him sitting there all aloof 
betting haphazardly and tricking the other guy into thinking he's got he must have good cards for one hand isn't enough right and i will say so uh, of of all the things i will shit on in this movie which once again i think it's pointless so that's that's a lot of things it's a well shot movie and all yeah. the acting is phenomenal because it's all oh, yeah. actors they're just not doing anything it, but it's, it's but really the well made film. the complaint i have about that scene is even with Paul Newman, who is charismatic as shit, you have to give him that. That stupid fucking line he says is so bad. Like, if if you wrote that in a soap opera, you would be like, ugh, they could have done better than that. That like, what, so, what's the line? Sometimes having no nothing is a pretty cool hand. <laughs> yeah, it's it feels like they were working backwards from the title of the movie. Right. Doesn't it? Like, it feels like they're like, cause that's, that's where he gets his nickname. And it feels like that's really that they were like, we have to find a way to have him say the, the term cool hand. And then somebody else can give him the nickname, but it, it's bad. It really is. <laughs> right. Did, did so, we mention, I don't think we mentioned the, the way he gets arrested. He gets drunk and he's cutting the heads off of, uh, parking meters with a pipe cutter <laughs> that's for, fucking for no funny fuck, for no fucking reason he's not stealing them he's just sitting them neatly next to them hey, <laughs> the hey, just, once again his character just stirs the shit for no reason yeah and that's where i i kept expecting that we'd get some kind of backstory explaining why he behaved this way because we're told that he was in the military and that he was sort of a war hero and he did really well but he never got promoted. And so, well, why not? Well, and it turns out probably because he was a shit disturber. And so, you know, and it's yeah, like, okay. Shit. Right, and that's, that's there you go. But why, did, why does he just randomly stir the shit constantly? And why are we supposed to be rooting for a character who just stirs the shit constantly for no particular reason? Well, and there's you know? this interesting through line in the movie of him kind of uh, going between professed atheism to him constantly questioning God of oh, what's, your, what's your plan for me? I don't I don't get what I'm supposed to do in this life. And, and you almost want the voice of God to go just stop stirring the shit. Like yeah. everyone likes you. You're fairly talented. You could probably go far in whatever you wanted to do, but you just keep stirring shit for virtually no reason. Yeah, like th there's multiple scenes where he breaks out of the prison and you see that he's like found these clever ways to do it which, okay, that's great. He's a clever guy, and he can eat the system, and he is charismatic enough to convince other prisoners to help him. And he gets in, and, but once he's on the run, he's literally just running for the sake of running. He knows he's going to get caught. So he just fucking, like, and he does things like hop back and forth over a fence so that the sniffing dogs will, will, will constantly be dragging their owners back over and stuff. And you're like, okay, but that's just you causing shit. Like, you're not doing anything to help you get away. Yeah, and he also, his character seems to alternate between kind of being one of those guys who wants to be the center of attention and, and like, be the badass that can do the thing to the second he does that and everyone's like, yeah, we love you. He's like, no, quit fucking loving me. Like, yeah. fuck you all. I hate it. I hate it that you guys like me. Yeah, it, it is a little bit weird. And, again, like, if we had some, if we got some backstory as to why he's behaving this way, if we saw some growth in the character, but even when the guards finally, like after his last attempt, the guards really come down hard on him and just like physically torture him. 
and he finally kind of breaks. And you kind of think like, okay, they finally got him, and maybe we're having this like it's approaching the seventies. We came out like sixty-seven. Maybe this is an early example of that nihilistic seventies ending where he's just going to have gone from this happy-go-lucky guy and ruined his life, and now he's miserable. But then he makes a comeback, and he's back to being cool hand Luke again. And you're like, but so what was the point of this? Right. And I like the fact that it seems like so the big turn in the movie is they force him to spend a night in a box. Uh, for a completely unjustified reason. Yeah. Although, once again, he was stirring shit, and he just happened to piss off the guy who overreacts to, like, slightly being agitated. Yeah. And and so after that, he's like, well, you know, fuck this, I'm going to escape from this prison. How dare they make me spend a night in the box? And it's like, yeah, but kind of, like, you, you stirred the shit, man. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, like their job, their job isn't that bad. Like they give them water and you sure it's a chain gang, which is terrible. It's slave labor. But at the same time, it's not like they're out there just randomly beating the prisoners or anything. No, we'll get to that in the next movie. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing that it's like, he's supposed to be this like anti-hero, I guess. And in, in some sense he is because he never does anything like quote-unquote right in the whole movie he doesn't do anything to help other people he doesn't do anything for any any noticeable reason other than just because he likes to cause trouble yeah yeah, but he he is still a likable guy so it's just that he likes to stir shit it's it's real weird um his character reminds me of back whenever you were in high school or college and there was that guy you knew who would show up to the party and you would immediately want to leave that party because you were like, uh, it's that fucking asshole and the cops are going to get called and we can't get rid of him because, you know, half of my friends really, really like this guy and they're all excited and they're like, oh, it's the dude. Come drink beer with us. And you leave. And then the next day, everyone's telling the story of, oh, fuck, we almost got arrested. You know, he got drunk and hit Billy's car with a golf club and then drove a moped into a tree. And then then you're like, yeah, that's why I left. That dude stirs the shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very interesting movie because it's it's weird. Like going into it, I expected like the guards to be coming down on him and him to be pushing back, and for the guards to be the bad guys, and him to be kind of like the rebel character that stands up to the, the evil guards. But the guards don't do that much wrong until he stirs the shit, right? Until he right. brings this on himself, you know? Yeah, and really, the only guard that seems to be kind of evil is the one that they just keep calling the man with no eyes because yeah. he's got the, the cop shades on all the time in which really he's not he's not that bad he is the guy who the second he thinks you're running he's the guy that's going to shoot you in the back like yeah but you have to be running yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you have to be running first <laughs> otherwise he just stands at the end and he just mad dogs you yeah like it's because this movie in some ways is comparable to first blood right first blood starts with some guys are hassling him rambo stirs some shit he ends up in jail flips out big fight ensues it's him against the the authorities right and that's kind of what this movie's about in, in a lot of ways guy stirs some shit gets pushed a little bit pushes back except in first blood we get that backstory we're told why he's behaving this way and that creates a sympathetic character it makes us think like maybe people should be more sympathetic to him and not be pushing him this way 
But with Cool Hand Luke, I don't feel that way. I, you're going to jail. Like, he's literally going to jail for something, and when he's brought in, the warden is like, what were you trying to accomplish by doing that? <laughs> like, the, everybody's fully confused as to why you would even do the thing that landed you in jail, and now you're in jail for it. Keep your head down, do your time, and get out. But he won't do that. I really like the... Uh... I suppose the one the one bit of change that does occur over the movie is is actually a change in some of the nicer guards in which you see them transform because yeah. Luke's almost making them worse people by forcing <laughs> their hands on stuff. Like it's the true. first time they put him in the box, those guards are apologizing to him and they're like, We're so sorry. You're only gonna be there for this long and you know, it's out of our yeah. control. This is this is awful. I'm so sorry. And then he escapes the first time. They bring him back, and they're like, "Okay, well, we have to put you in leg irons because you ran." But you know, you just behave, and and in six months, everything will calm down and it'll be back to normal. We still like you. You're a good guy. He escapes the second time. They're like, "Seriously, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, come on, cut, cut that shit out." Like. <laughs> And then he escapes and he sends pictures of himself back to the other prisoners. With a, it's pictures of him with like these hot models like in a fancy suit. And we find out later in the movie that he faked the picture. He's just fucking with them for no reason. He's like, you're free and gone. But it's more important for you to fuck with your for- former cellmates and send right. them this fake picture than it is for you to just keep your head down and stay out of this. Right. Like, and then in the end, I mean, whenever they... So the third time... the. No, second time. Second time he escapes. They do kind of torture him. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Like, and it really escalates. It goes from them, like, not doing anything to them being like, okay, dig, you know, no no sleep, hard labor, occasional right. beatings, you know? <laughs> like, it, It's bad. And I can see why. Like, I certainly it would break it's designed to break a person and it seems to work successfully although temporarily on him like they finally managed to just break him down to nothing and now they've got control of him again which i did think the turn in his character was a little too abrupt and cartoonish like they could have had him be a beaten down character they didn't have to have him running around like calling the bosses sir and everything the whole time thought it was a little over the top but right yeah, like, like, you are the guy that escaped prison twice. You're in there for completely legitimate reason. You haven't really been mistreated, with the exception of one night in solitary that you know, probably didn't earn, but the guards were doing their best to make your stay as smooth as possible. You were a hero amongst the other prisoners for getting beat up. It's like, what's, what's your problem? Eating 50 hard-boiled eggs. That's the thing is like that hard boiled egg scene. I got to tell you, I I don't have a particular interest in watching an actor eat fifty eggs. Um, that's not something I find compelling. So if you had taken that amount of time that they spent on him eating fifty eggs and used it to develop his character in other ways and to explain why he behaves the way he does and to give him a little bit more of a character arc where at least he comes to understand his own behavior even if he chooses to continue acting that way that'd be fine but at least we would know why he's doing it if you had taken the time to do that instead of watching him eat eggs over and over again i'd be a lot more interested in it (laughs) i love the fact that once and once again the only reason why he's stuck eating all those eggs is because he stirred unnecessary amounts of shit 
Like yeah. they forgot, the other guy even calls him on it, and he goes, "Dude, why didn't you say 35? Everyone would have been like, "No, you can't at 35," and we would have got the same amount of money. And instead, you said 50, and he goes, "Man, it was a round number." It's like you, you, you just you, the shit, man. Why was he bringing up eating eggs at all? There's no fucking reason to discuss bringing it. He's like, this guy could do anything. Yeah, I can do anything. I could eat 50 eggs. Nobody fucking brought up eggs. Why would you say that? Why would any human being say that ever? I do like how fast the other prisoners jump on it. They're like, aha, 50 eggs, you say. Let, well, us, got- let us bribe this cook to give us extra egg rations. Well, they're in fucking prison. They don't got a lot else to do. So they're just like, ah, fuck it. Let's see if we can make this guy eat fifty eggs or die. I just, I almost, I do almost like the the egg thing, just because it seems like they've got just a random dude on the other side of the fence that cooks eggs all the time. And if they want eggs, they can just go ask this guy for eggs. It does kind of seem like they're just. Uh, it's really easy. Like I don't think in prison you can just get fifty eggs. As weird as it sounds, I think that'd be very hard. And they're just like, give this guy $3, he'll give you 50 eggs. <laughs> oh, well. I do I do think all of the performances are, are really good in the movie, and I think that if you look at a lot of these standalone scenes, they're executed really well. Um, like The only kind of moment... I knew some of the moments from the film. I knew the idea that he ate some eggs. I obviously knew about the the big scene that's quoted in a Guns N' Roses song, because who doesn't know that? But I, I do think but everything is... a failure to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, all of those moments are really cool, and if you take them and you watch them as standalone moments, I think they work. Even the eggs thing, which I don't particularly want to watch, I think it's well executed. I think Paul Newman does a pretty good job of acting like a guy who's eaten way too many fucking eggs to the point where it's like, I don't know, Gonna, gonna kill him or cause him to puke or whatever. But why is it even happening? Right. It's just like your description of him as a guy that just likes to stir the shit is actually correct. It's yeah, weird. yeah. It's a, it's it's two hours and something minutes of a charismatic douchebag being a charismatic douchebag. Yeah. And I just don't. That doesn't. That's not a. It's not a story. Like there's no story there. Yeah, which again, like it was the seventies, or about to be the seventies. Sixty was it? Sixty-seven, sixty-eight. It was. Uh, there are a lot of movies like this where a lot of shit happens that isn't particularly plot relevant. If you go back and even if you watch like Jaws, a lot of shit goes on in that movie that has nothing to do with sharks, and it's like, why are we doing all this? But it's interesting and it helps to inform the characters, and so that therefore we care more about them during the main storyline. But in this case, there is no main storyline. <laughs> like there, there is no main storyline, and there's no reason to care about the characters. Yeah, like really, even really, the only character in the entire movie that you you're kind of pity is uh, the the guy who appears to have some kind of mental handicap. Yeah, because he's just tucked into this prison, and it's kind of unfortunate for him. Right, right, and he's just and he's a side note. He's brought up about three times through the entire yeah. movie. And one time it's because while Luke is escaping, he's like, oh, I'm going to run too. And he runs straight to the fence and gets beaten. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know the name of the character, the, like the big guy that beats Luke up and he's kind of the head of the prisoners. Um, like Mr. that guy, Mr. Bad Southern accent guy. Yeah. Like that guy's not a likable character. And he's in, in another movie, 
because he's like the guy who's like mean to all the things, he would be the the guy that Luke would have to take out or to Luke to gain control of the prisoners and be the more uh, the more friendly leader, right? But this guy is just he's just an asshole and then he we're just supposed to get on board with his character because him and luke become friends but luke just becomes his friend so that the guy will stop picking on him basically it, it, it's not like he's ever a decent person yeah yeah i don't know yeah, yeah pretty much and the movie ends with like all we get is you know the prisoners are telling a story of you know old luke he was still smiling <laughs> with a hole in his neck he's gonna die yeah it's like okay what like, you, like, is that, are you inspired by the shit stir stir and the shit to the point where he died? Yeah, like, like you're. It's because compare that moment to the moment in at the end of Shawshank Redemption where they're all talking about Andy Dufresne and they're all like telling his story and they're all proud and excited that they got to know this guy. And it's like, yeah, but Andy escaped. Luke got himself killed because he kept stirring the shit until somebody right. finally shot him in the head. Like. Or neck, I guess. But it's like, what? Why are you happy about this? What part of this did you find inspiring? It's like, remember that time he got punched and he just kept getting up, and eventually the other guy felt bad for him and stopped punching him. Yeah. Then remember when he was such an asshole that he got locked in the fucking box for days on end. Yeah. Remember when he kept running away and he kept getting caught again, and every time his life got worse as a result of it. So we should all like the lesson you should learn from that is don't try to run away. Your guards aren't being that bad to us if we just don't stir the shit. Maybe we shouldn't stir the shit. But they don't... They take the opposite message from that, whereas they're all like, okay. <laughs> Maybe we should stir some shit. Yeah, I mean, even a uh, big big best friend guy who he kind of goes with Luke that third time that he escapes, he's like, ah, shit, I only have 20 months left. Why the fuck did I do this? Yeah. Oh, you're escaping so infectious. <laughs> <laughs> But it's yeah, like it's it's the the message of the movie is almost if you stir enough shit, you two could get shot in the neck. Good luck. Like, mate, come on, you can do it. It's like I don't I don't think that's a positive message. I don't think you necessarily want to encourage people to get shot in the neck. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like a weird, almost like uh like a an anarchist or a maybe a libertarian esque message of just you know stir the shit until they kill you and you win and it's like you win what <laughs> yeah it's and may, like maybe you're right maybe it is that whole thing of like it's better to die being the person you want to be than to conform but it's like you just have to conform a little to not get shot in the neck you know like it's not right. like you know what i mean like they uh, they weren't it it, there, it wasn't established that he was being forced to completely change as a person in order to like fit in. All he had to do was like go do his road work every day, and that was it. Right, right, and not all you have to do is just not intentionally piss everyone off. Yeah, because there there is a difference between if they were trying to force him to do like things that he had some moral objection to, and he stood his ground. That's a different story than a guy who's like causing shit for the sake of causing shit right I, I don't know it's weird he's so different from, than the character from the other movie you think they are, they are opposite people yeah they both do stupid shit and get themselves thrown into a really nasty jail I would say they both do stupid shit but I, I 
everything I feel like everything our character in the next movie does is justified. One one way or another. We'll get into the discussion. Except for except for the thing that initially gets him arrested. That was just yeah. stupid. Dummy dum dum. Uh, I, I will say both these movies we, we already talked about the one, the failure to communicate line. And then in the other movie, the O Billy line. Yep. Both of those are things that I've heard cribbed a million times, and I did not know what movies they were from because I had never seen either of these. Oh, I knew they were both from these movies, but I'd never seen either one of these movies start to finish. I think I'd seen the Failure to Communicate clip somewhere. Probably like when YouTube came up and I just, for the first time, and I'm like, I better Google things I know. What do I know? (laughs) For the the fact that this is a fairly famous movie, you know the movie that I have seen that quote in a bunch of times? Major pain. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going to feel a little pressure. (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm feeling major pain might not be considered a politically correct movie in today's day and age well he does try to snap a child's finger yeah and i think there's a lot of uh laughs at the expense of the hearing impaired guy for not being able to say sir yes sir in a proper tone oh yeah that's true yeah um but yeah and what are your final thoughts on cool Ant like are we like we've said like so, so like I said, it's great acting. It's shot well. Like, if you were a film student, it might be a great movie for you to watch to learn about the craft of filmmaking. But as far as storytelling, which I'm far more interested in, it does not deliver at all on that. And to be honest, the first half of this movie is just boring as dog shit. The second half, once he starts escaping, it's at least, like, vaguely interesting, because you're like, oh, that's clever. It's pointless, but at least it's clever, you know what I mean? (laughs) But the first half, you're just like, okay, guys, in a ditch, okay, woman washing a car, they're all horny, I get it, they're prisoners, guy eats some eggs, what the fuck is going on? The eggs thing is still, I still can't believe somebody thought it was going to need to dedicate that much screen time to a guy eating eggs. Right. Yeah. I think there's, I think this movie is just, it's from a different era and it's from an era where frankly people had a lot more time, like a lot more time and a lot less access to entertainment. So, you know, uh, people could sit and watch two hours of nothing happening just because they like Paul Newman. Whereas I, it doesn't feel like that's enough in today's day and age. Like you sitting here in my chair, having access to like thousands upon thousands of movies with a couple of pushes of the button. Do I want to spend two hours just because the guy's charismatic and likable? That doesn't seem like enough anymore for a movie, and it seems to be kind of all this movie has to deliver. Uh, I don't know. It's it seems like they just maybe, and maybe I just don't understand the '60s. Maybe maybe I. The idea of an anti-hero from back then just isn't translating to 2019 very well. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I like I said, I I just don't. I don't. I do not get this at all. It does not emotionally or or uh, cerebrally connect with me in any way. Yeah, I mean, again, like technically, all the acting was good, which is and and frankly, like the acting was. I don't have a lot of respect for some of the sixties acting. Cause that, that sort of transition period from the fifties stage style acting to the 
more realistic acting that we get in the 70s and 80s. I think the uh, the transition period was rough in a lot of cases, but this acting is stand up, not not for the era. Like I would appreciate this level of acting in right. a, a new movie with a big budget and known actors. I almost every scene in and of itself would make me want to watch the rest of the movie. If I watched any one of these scenes, I'd be like, oh shit. I want to know why he's doing that. I'm going to watch this whole movie. The problem is after you watch the whole movie, I still don't know why he did most of the shit he did. Yeah, I feel like if I wanted to watch a, a two-hour-long movie with a, a, a weird, loose plot that's nihilistic and about a guy running and getting caught over and over again, I would just watch Logan run again. Because Logan's never, run is awesome. And see, there's a robot at the end. I've never seen that. What? You've never seen Logan's run? No. Oh, man. I have to put that on the list. All right, we'll find a way to incorporate it. That's a good one. That's some good 19, uh, 1970s sci-fi nihilism. Yeah. I do like things with dark, unhappy endings, I'll tell you that. I don't... It's kind of... I would argue its ending is mixed, where it's kind of, like, happy, and and at the same time, you're like, oh, fuck, that sucks. <laughs> Sounds like it's supposed to be an nihilistic ending, but you just like robots. No, it's it's. There's a little bit more to it. Well, I won't spoil it for you. We'll watch it. We'll watch it one day. It's got a pretty good double twist there at the end. All right, find a way to put that on the list. Maybe that in uh, Westworld. We covered Westworld on the last horrorcast. Yep. Fuck here. Fuck the last horrorcast. (laughs) I said it. All right, so we're done with Cool Hand Luke. Luke yeah, why don't you give a rundown of the other one? Uh, Midnight Express. Arrogant young American who nobody else in the rest of the world likes. Those of us who are not American have all run into this jackass when we're on vacation. <laughs> it's like, why are you here thinking you're better than everybody else? Uh, he's decided to bring a bunch of hashish home from Turkey. Uh, he clearly knows what he's doing is illegal because he's nervous as shit. He gets caught at the airport trying to get on the plane with it. Uh, gets thrown in Turkish prison for four years. Uh, meets up with a bunch of other guys. There's a, a lot of foreigners in the Turkish prison, which I've found very interesting. Uh, makes friends with the Randy Quaid, who's in prison for being Randy Quaid. And- <laughs> I, I can tell you one thing. Whatever Randy Quaid did, he deserves to be in there. Yeah, keep him in there. Yeah, uh, and so we basically follow the exploits for the first few years. Things go kind of like you'd expect. There's a couple of beatings. He's uh, one of the other. His cell door isn't locked on the first night. One of the other prisoners like mumbles to him and convinces him that you're allowed to just go out and get blankets for yourself if you want. Which you're kind of a dumbass if you believe that in prison. <laughs> but he does that, and that, that gets him a beating. Um. Oh man, and what a bad way to get beat too! Oh. Yeah, oh, right on the bottom of the feet with a club—that would hurt so fucking bad. The thing about that is, I'm like, I'm watching it happen, and I'm thinking to myself, like, they're whacking them in the bottom of the feet. I'm like, that would really hurt. But I don't know, like, it's how bad could it really be? It is the bottom of your feet. It's not like they're. And then the oh. next morning, when he goes to stand up, I'm like, I never. How did I never fucking think of that? <laughs> you know, how's he gonna? How's he gonna stand the next day? It was girls beaten. I got a green line fracture in uh, one of my feet just from. Uh, 
I think I hopped out of bed too hard or something. They're, they're actually pretty easy to get. A lot of weightlifters get them from just pressure on your feet. And that's just a teeny tiny little crack in one of your, your, uh, your bones down there. And I could not functionally walk for five days. Like I was hopping around and it was like, I would yipe like a dog if I put my foot down. And this is them beating his feet with a fucking like miniature baseball bat. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> that would hurt so bad. Yeah, yeah, it looked like it sucked. Um, anyways, what, anyways, he's just he's just in prison for the whole movie. He gets down to 50-something days left in his sentence. And that's when uh, some court steps in and ups his sentence to 30 years. After he loses it on the judge in the courtroom, which is kind of a fun scene. I and I kind of like the fact that I think I, I don't know if they're they're trying to express this the right way, but it does kind of make sense where they keep saying that the judge likes you. So yeah. even after that speech in which, man, this movie might be worth it just to watch that that speech of him being like you are all pigs and I fuck your children. <laughs> like you're like, ooh, he mad. <laughs> So mad. It's a very well-delivered speech. Probably not what you want to say to the judge during your sentencing hearing. Well, but the funny thing is, is they're pretty much they pretty much told him you're going to get railroaded into a life sentence. And then after that speech, the judge gives him 30 years. Yeah. Which you're actually like, man, that judge does kind of like him, I guess. Because that's lenient compared to what they said he's definitely getting. Well, and the judge is the one. Anyways, my plot description ends with he breaks out. Um, but the, the judge is the one in the beginning that decides to give him the sentence for possession of narcotics rather than smuggling of narcotics, which is why he gets four years instead of life initially. And it's like, dude, you got nothing to bitch about. That, like, during that first part, I'm like, you got nothing to bitch about. If you get caught smuggling, I think they say it's two kilos of hash out of a foreign country, and you got four years in jail do your time and shut up. You deserve what you got. I don't like, you know what I mean? It sucks that they beat you in Turkish, Turkish prison, but that's where you chose to commit your crime. And it's not like, again, it's not like you didn't know. It wasn't a misunderstanding. You didn't, it wasn't some substance that was legal in your country and illegal there. And you got caught with it at the airport. Like he had that shit taped to his body. He was nervous as hell getting on the plane. He kept insisting his girlfriend separate from him. He obviously knew he was committing a major crime. You commit a major crime, you get caught, you go to jail. Right. Right. But I do I do feel like he almost immediately learns his lesson. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I think it's more he learned the lesson of uh you do stupid shit and you get awful, awful consequences. But but I, I feel like he grows by the end of that his uh initial sentence, I feel like he's kind of actually a very reformed person. He's like, Well, I'm never gonna do that again. Yeah, and I think I think they do that pretty well, um, and I think they do a good job of establishing that. Just the idea of being in a foreign prison, I think they do a good job of establishing. Like, you got to learn all sorts of fucking rules that are not going to make sense to you. There's a scene where like Randy Quaid's character gets stabbed in the ass because he's a shit disturber, um, and it's like it's implied that this is just what happens and, and I have no idea, I've never been to a Turkish prison, believe it or not, but it's implied that there's some weird rule about how it's like dishonorable to stab somebody above the waist. Well, well no, so, it's, yeah. a legal, it's a legal thing. In Turkey, if you stab them below the waist, it's assault. If you stab them above the waist, it's attempted murder. 
Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you go around stabbing people in the ass. But I mean, like, how the fuck would you d- adjust to that world where that's a rule you need to know for your day-to-day life? And I think they do a good job of establishing that. Uh, and then it it gets really dark. The only problem I had with the movie is I did find sometimes it was a lot of like, and then here's the thing that happened, and then here's the thing that happened, and then here's the thing that happened, instead of giving us like a through storyline for all those things. But everything that happens, you're just like, oh yeah, how would you fucking deal with that? I don't know. How do you deal with it when somebody says, like, you need a good lawyer? There's only one guy here who can recommend a good lawyer, and it's John Hurt High on heroin when you get there. And you're like, how do I talk to this fucking guy about legal advice? Right. We didn't mention that. So John Hurt's in this movie, so that automatically, like, propels this movie up to another echelon of of film. You know what's funny? Last week, when uh, I recorded... With Anthony, we did the Jim Jarmusch films. I don't know if you listened to it or not, but I talk about John Hurt because he was in one of those movies, and I'm like, I really like Old Man John Hurt. And then I'm watching this movie like a few days later, going, oh, Old Man John Hurt and Young Man John Hurt are very, very similar. He's like, he looks oh, the yeah, same. They're the same. They're the same John Hurt. Wearing the same glasses. I'm like, oh, look at that. He didn't change at all. Good for him. <laughs> He's the cool hand Luke of this of this podcast story. <laughs> like, oh, not changing. No, I'm good with who I am. Yeah, it's it's I, I do like so the interesting thing of, of this versus uh Cool Hand Luke is obviously in this pretty much none of the characters are very static other than slightly overweight guard who likes to hit people with the stick. Yeah. He's he's pretty static, but everybody else kind of changes over time. Like even the guys, uh, uh, family and stuff outside of the prison, because they go from initially, you know, saying, "Hey, keep your head low. It's going to be fine. You're going to do your time. You're going to be out." To like his girlfriend being like, "No, break out of this prison and run like hell." You know, yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck all these people. It is weird though, because it. One thing that I find very interesting in the story is like all of the characters, all of the American characters, your main one and then his entire family, they all like turn on the country of Turkey. Like, how dare you go through your due process and issue the legal penalty for the crime that he clearly committed? I find it very strange. It's very this like weird, like, like he was smuggling drugs. He even admitted his plan was to sell them. Well, I I think the whole point is, though, is when you really break it down, it's this movie's kind of about how corrupt the Turkish uh, judicial system actually is. But is it corrupt? Well, the initial the initial sentence perfectly fair. Okay, no, but but there's difference between being harsh and being corrupt, right? Because the initial sentence is fair, but we're told in the movie that the reason he got this light sentence is because the judge liked him and the prosecutor is pissed and he's like just because the judge likes the guy doesn't mean he should get a light sentence and he appeals to a higher court and the higher court says yeah you're right this guy was clearly not in possession of drugs he was clearly smuggling drugs so he deserves the sentence for smuggling drugs now you could you could argue forever about whether it's fair to put somebody in jail for life for smuggling hash uh, I, I well, don't. I don't agree with doing that, but it is the rules. But it's also <laughs> it's also showing like uh, a system where they can arbitrarily increase the punitive nature of your sentence handed down in a court. But, but it's like, not arbitrary. It's, it's well, arbitrary. In, in American courts, you can't 
let's that's what I'm saying. Like from from an American perspective specifically, you cannot just change what the person was convicted of. They could force they could force you to go through a second trial, but in this case, they just said, "No, we're changing what you were convicted of and just arbitrarily changing your sentence." Again, I, uh, these are these the term arbitrary is the only real problem I have there. But within the confines of their system, the rules say that that prosecutor had the right to object and to take that up to the next level, and it went up to the higher level court. And the higher higher level court made a not completely unreasonable conclusion based on the facts in front of us. Yeah, you could argue maybe he's entitled to a second trial, but a second trial isn't going to be in front of a judge that likes him and is lenient on him, right? Well, and you get the uh, the impression that it's not going to be a fair trial anyway. Like his lawyer is clearly scamming him and and attempting to like steal his money and all that kind of stuff. In which, toward the end of the movie, we find out that that basically they bribed him to get him out of prison, and he bought himself a ticket and left the country. Yeah, but and again, yeah, like in a system where you're bribing people, somebody steals your bribe. I mean, I, I, you kind of feel bad for the guy because he's trying to play the game and he's not working right. out for him, you know. But you were bribing somebody and didn't work out for you, like you know, you you're not you're not the good guy when you're bribing somebody and they steal your money. It's you were committing another crime, and this time instead of getting caught and getting punished, you just got a uh, you just had your money stolen from you. That's your punishment for that. Right. Like I, I think it's just I think if you if somebody were to tell this story in reverse, if that were a Turkish guy that got thrown in an American prison for doing something while he was on vacation in the States, and then he turned around and his sentence got increased because of some kind of an appeal system and so he and he lost it on an American judge, I don't think anybody would have any sympathy for that character. I think a lot of the sympathy we're expected to have for this character is based inherently on the fact that he's the white guy in a foreign country. And I, that doesn't buy me a lot of sympathy. I don't know, possibly. I, I just get the... It all feels like the that it's all excessive, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, I'm, I, I agree on a personal level that it's excessive to put somebody in jail for the rest of their life for trying to bring home four pounds, or what is it, two kilos of... Although, although once once again, you come to the states and they get caught with uh, pot, even though it's legal in half the country, they end up with a yeah. life sentence. You know, no, and yeah, like I mean, people like are arguing about whether the rules should be that or not is not the point. The point is like the system effectively works. I mean, he was smuggling drugs. He did end up being convicted of smuggling drugs. Whether whether the punishment's fair or not, I mean, yes, okay, there's guards in there that are mistreating the prisoners and stuff like that and it's very harsh conditions but at the end of the day you're in prison like it's not like they were treating him worse than they were treating the day-to-day prisoners in that prison right right and it's it's just it, it, i find it interesting too that in this movie uh it, it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of prison movies are you know because usually it's the person's uh goes in and is a piece of shit and gets, you know, the beat down a few times. And it's like, Oh, okay. I shouldn't be a piece of shit. Yeah. And in this one it's, he goes in, he's like, okay, four years. All I have to do is behave. And the movie almost glides through those first four years of him just doing everything he can to behave and having a, a weird pseudo 
homosexual erotic relationship with a <laughs> Swedish guy. That was weird to me. I feel like I don't. I feel like halfway through the movie, they were just like, "Oh, and by the way, there's some gay stuff going on here," and then they just dropped it. It felt it felt very strange to me. It felt I'd I'd be interested if maybe in the book if that's a much more fleshed out storyline. Right. It, it's <laughs> almost it's almost like it's just there to represent like during those first years how stable everything is. He even has like this pseudo romantic relationship with this guy as a stabilizing force within it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly you just get the impression that he just made friends with a few guys. Like there's Swedish guy, there's Randy Quaid and there's John Hurt and they all kind of buddy around together and hang out in this prison together and they keep their heads down and stay out of trouble for the most part, except for Randy Quaid because he's Randy Quaid. He's not capable of it. I think they told him to stay out of trouble and just the actor Randy Quaid was incapable of doing that on set. So like, ah, adjust the strip. So that guy causes some shit. This this movie's so weird because it was weird to remember that like, oh yeah, Randy Quaid used to be a really good actor too. Oh, he's fantastic in this movie. He's I, I, again. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting there was a time where Randy Quaid not only was not a crazy, insane person like running around and living in the back of a van somewhere, but also not funny. Randy Quaid. No, he's it, he gives a very good dramatic performance in this movie. Um, and so, like one of the things we didn't mention in our plot description, he's the guy that is uh, he's in there. I think for life or whatever. And I think he's isn't he or he's got some ridiculous sense like twelve years or something because he stole a couple of candlesticks but he stole them from a mosque which is considered a huge yeah offense. yeah something crazy which like I, again you were stealing candlesticks from a mosque in a predominantly Muslim country you got twelve years in prison you, you kind of put yourself in this situation you kind of cool hand looped yourself into this problem um, but it's he does a really good job as the guy, like when he starts freaking out, he starts trying to find ways to escape and he starts losing his mind on our, I forget the main character's name with <laughs> Billy Hayes or something. They losing his mind on that guy because that guy won't escape. He's like, he, that guy's going, no, I got like so much time left. I'll just fucking do my time and get out of here. And he's like, but I need your help in order to get out. And I can't go if you don't go. And he's, you can really see kind of the pain in that character that need he has to get the hell out of there and the frustration he has with being stuck there and all that. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he needs hope that he could escape. Right. And it's, it's a lot of that is dependent on Quaid's performance as that character. And it's, he pulls it off. It's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I think we also need to talk about the second turn in the movie. So, so obviously the first turn is, he rides out his first sentence. He's told uh, his last 53 days are going to be commuted and he's going to be let out. He goes to meet with them. And that's whenever they tell him that uh, he's he's staying for 30 years. Yeah. Which is th- what how fucked up is that to be told that you're oh. getting out? And then and then they tell you that, nope, we're quadrupling, you know, <laughs> 10 times, 10 times what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then the second turn is that they've been dealing with this character who's kind of your sleazy, uh, you know, he's kind of like the pet of the guards guy who sells contraband and stuff and yeah. is, is ripping everybody off. But the, the worst thing is, is, is after that first turn, 
our guy goes from follow the rules guy to okay, maybe maybe we should escape, but we should be real careful about it. Uh, and during that phase, we find out that uh, sleazy guard pet guy is also just a fucking narc from shit. Yeah. And, and not only a narc from shit, but he's the type of dude that will throw anybody fucking under the bus at any time. And so they they start trying to escape by boring through a wall, and they do manage to get down into, like, the sewer system, but it turns out there's no actual exits, which kind of sucks for them. Uh, they find the whole... He kind of... kind of points them at uh, Randy Quaid's character, so Randy Quaid ends up taking the brunt of that. Yeah, by taking the brunt of that, we mean he ends up in the hospital for months on end. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Uh, and then later, they kind of get him back by <laughs> stealing his money and then destroying it, which I find there's something so satisfying about that, that they didn't take it and keep it. They just took it and just destroyed it. And they were like, fuck you. And once again, Randy Quaid's character, he just fingers him for no reason. He doesn't know it was him. And if I remember right, he had nothing to do with it. It was John Hurt and the Bane character that did it. Yeah. Then they're doing a random search. They find hash on him because he's a fucking hash dealer. And he points the finger at John Hurt's character. So now John Hurt's character is going to the even worse place. And after that, we have the second turn in which our main character fucking loses it on that guy and destroys him. Yep. It's funny because it starts out like a fight scene and you're like, okay, so they're going to have a big fight. And then it just, he just fucking goes off on him <laughs> and you're just like oh wait you've you've been pushed to your limit here and we've, we've seen him explode at that judge earlier in the movie so we know that he has a, a limit that he can be pushed to but you don't anticipate what he's gonna do to this guy yeah you're like oh it's a brawl oh he's clawing his eyes out oh oh he's beating his face on a on a set of stairs oh he bit us he bit another dude's tongue out of that guy's mouth <laughs> yeah yeah, as you do. Um, yeah, it's and it, it's really telling that it, they throw him in like a mental ward. They don't even put him back on trial for like the murder or, or attempted murder or anything. They're just like, no, you're clearly fucking nuts. Just go in the mental ward where you belong. <laughs> That's if you go crazy enough on a guy in, in Turkish prison that they don't bother to charge you with any more crimes. That's that's an interesting. Interesting kind of turn of events, <laughs> right? In which that's it's that part's interesting too, because then so that leads us into the third turn where he's like broken, where yeah. they actually finally completely destroy him, and he's and he's basically becoming a babbling insane person. Yeah, and that's that part there is it's super dark. That whole the whole time that he's in that mental ward, and there's just all these fucking crazy people around him, and he's just getting worse and worse, and you're just like. E- that's not a good sign for our main character. Yeah. Especially when, so the girlfriend comes to visit him and then we get the, Oh, Billy. Yeah. Scene. Why don't you uh, describe the scene to the listeners who might not have seen the movie? Uh, it's basically, she comes to visit him. This is, this is where I was saying she starts to encourage him to escape right in front of the cards. Just, yeah. Which is pretty fucked up. But basically he's trying to talk to her and, and he's, he's so broken and like I said, he's he's almost become like one of those babbling homeless people. The yeah. you know that they, they it's like they've forgotten how to communicate with a normal person. And yeah. he's he's looking at her, and of course she's wearing kind of a uh, 
uh, thin blousy top, and he's basically like, take, take off the blouse. <laughs> take, take off the blouse. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird the way he's saying it. Because like I said, he's, he's mumbling, so he's like, take off the blouse. Yeah, take off the blouse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because it's a scene where he's like, it's the only like female nudity we get in the movie and stuff, and it is it's it's not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's been isolated for years and years and years. Yeah, and it's it's basically and she she complies. She basically takes out her teats and presses them against the glass, and he's masturbating while leaning against the glass. And yeah. they're both just absolutely in tears of how horrible the situation is. It's it's impressive that it neither comes off humorous or uh, sexual in, in really any way. It's just, like, awful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an accomplishment of filmmaking that you don't crack a smile one way or the other during that scene. And uh, you could make that argument with a lot of this movie. Like, the fight scenes are not exciting. They're fucked up. The one sexual scene is not titillating. It is just fucked up. Like that's what they're trying to portray and they do a very good job. Yeah. I like how, uh, I kind of like how explosive the, uh, every, every bad or big thing that happens in the movie, they kind of come after these lulls. Like the movie lulls you a bit and it's like, and then it's something awful. And you're like, Oh shit. (laughs) I wasn't ready for the awful thing. Yeah, and I I get the impression that they uh, they're what they're trying to do is give you a sense of what it's like to be stuck in one of these prisons, where it is like boring, boring, boring. Oh shit, something awful is happening. Boring, boring, boring. Like you know what I mean? That's that's what life in prison is. You know, your basic routine, not allowed to go outside, not allowed to do anything. So there's not very excitement, very lot of excitement. And then all of a sudden, just something could go terribly wrong at any given time. Yeah, and I like I like the fact that in the end, his his inevitable escape from the prison does come after the the you know the fourth turn where all this you know he is with the girlfriend and he decides you know she's right I got to kind of like fight my way back to sanity and get out of here, and his actual escape attempt fails miserably. Because he yeah. just tries to bribe a guard, <laughs> and instead the guard takes him to the even worse place. Things just this Turkish person has a lot of levels of worse places. Yeah, apparently there's always a worse place. And then, uh, basically, it's that evil fat guard guy who we were talking about, and he's clearly getting ready to uh, to rape him. Like that's obviously what's getting ready that's, to happen. That's the implication. Yes, and he's so frustrated and mad at this time that he does decide to fight back and he kind of like Bill Goldberg spears him a little bit and he, and the guard gets very, very bad thing <laughs> where he just knocks him into a wall and a coat hanger goes through his head for no reason. It, it's probably the biggest flaw in the movie is that moment. Cause you're just like, really like that is such a movie moment. And I looked it up and it's completely different from, the book <laughs> so it's like yeah that's just a weird like some the, the somebody in the, in the process was like we need this to be more like a movie okay we'll have him accidentally kill a guard and then steal his uniform that'll work right 
Yeah, and then he just he gets the uniform, and then it's one of those things where so in this movie where they've made these escape attempts and they're doing all these attempts to just like live their lives and get out of this prison one way or another, and and in the end it's just kind of like a fluke, and he just kind of walks out the front door. Yeah. And we're just told in, like, whatever you call the writing that they put up at the epilogue writing that they put up. It's just like, oh, yeah. And then he crossed into Greece and then he flew home. Right. All right. It was rather abrupt. I just, I feel like this this movie does a lot of things right. So it's it's exploitative, right? But it's it's exploitative in a way that it's it's artistically exploitative. That's fair. Like I don't I don't feel like any moment in this movie is excessive versus what they were trying to accomplish with it. No, neither do I. And I think I think the movie is we're seeing everything from the perspective of this character and we're kind of going on this journey with him. So as he starts to go insane, everything gets a lot worse around us and it gets a lot darker around us. And then as you know, when there's when he loses his mind and snaps and does something crazy, we're there for that moment. We're there for him screaming at a judge or beating a guy half to death or accidentally killing a guard. So it all feels like it's earned. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, overall, I thought it was like, it did a really good job of like, it was a very dark movie. Again, I think the, the it's weird because you're supposed to think the main character is like this hero and I'm not convinced he is. He's like, he's a guy who escaped from prison that he was sent to for committing a crime and he was received the the lighter end of the sentence for the crime he committed. <laughs> Not sure if we should be cheering for those guys to get out of jail, but it did make for a very interesting journey and movie to follow. I don't know. I do like that like I said, they they did a very good job of so the first sentence he gets is what most people in the audience would consider a fair sentence. And he just attempts to serve that out without all the shenanigans. Yeah. And it's not until we feel like an injustice has been done against him before he makes the turn of, okay, well, now I'm going to escape. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's a real question there of whether you feel that an injustice was done against him. And it, it doesn't feel, the movie doesn't tell me that somebody did something illegal to screw him over to get him stuck in that prison. He's just, they've just reevaluated his case, which is something that happens most of us are glad that that option's there if you're ever convicted of something and you want to be able to appeal you want that option there well it has to be on both sides right no 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 it doesn't have to be on both sides doesn't no i I, I don't know I, i can't help but feel like the sympathy is supposed to be with this character because he's the american character and americans are inherently good and people from turkey are inherently bad for being non americans and if you if you reversed the story and told the same story from another from the opposite perspective, I think it would be very difficult to convince an audience that the Turkish guy who was sentenced to an American prison and escaped was a hero for doing it. If that epi- if that epilogue was well, then he is, then he crossed the border into Mexico and flew home from Cancun to Istanbul two weeks later, I don't think you would be cheering for him to get out of jail. It depends on the crime he committed. Smuggling drugs. Is it pot? Because it's the U.S. I think I would be cheering for him. Be like, yeah, fuck, fuck those people. Yeah, I mean, again, like putting your personal 
whether you think it's okay to do this. Everybody involved knew this was a crime and chose to commit the crime. And you get right. that those are the kinds of things. Those are the kinds of people who go to jail or people who commit crimes knowingly. So I'm not sure how sympathetic I am towards him. I do think that watching him go on the journey is interesting and it's dark and I, the message is a little more clear in this movie and a little bit more in line with what you expect the message to be, which the message in this movie is if you commit horrible, if you commit crimes, you will be uh, subject to horrible punishments. Um, that's a little more clear than the last movie where there were like, if you're enough of a dick, they'll shoot you and then you win by getting shot. Uh, we, we didn't understand that message. I think this one's a lot more clear, right, right. but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I didn't have a lot of sympathy for that guy. I wasn't super happy for him when he got out of jail. Um, I recognize that he's the protagonist of the story, but that doesn't always make you a good guy. Right. But I feel like the whole thing is like, I, it's one of those things where in the end, you kind of feel like justice came around for most people. Yeah. Some, like, of, it, some of it was too much, but you know, or except for John Hurt's character, and, and Lord knows what happened to Randy Quaid because Randy Quaid kind of disappears after that. Uh, yeah, like, the second time he gets hauled off to the the crazy house. Yeah, and that first time, like we know what happened to him. We saw that beating, and it was terrible, right? And so obviously, like most of us would see guards in a prison beating a prisoner and assume that that's wrong. So you do have some sympathy for all these guys because of that. Yeah, it's awesome. It was it was an extremely well made movie. The acting is amazing throughout. Um, like I say, there there was there were the flaws of the movie for me are there was a few moments that felt forced. The homosexuality element really felt like it was just edited in and not didn't come generically as part of the storyline. I think maybe just because they didn't want it to be the focus of the storyline. But yeah, it, was, it was really weird. It was like it's. But like I said, I think I, I think I get what they were going for with it. Well, I just okay. I just don't know if it was actually necessary. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like maybe you either do it or you don't do it, right? So if they wanted these two to have a homosexual relationship while they're in prison, that's fine. That's an element of the story you can tell. But the way they did it was sort of like they they kind of chicken shitted out around it where they're like, we don't want these guys to be a gay couple throughout the movie. So we'll just have these like moments like around the, the film. The, it, film. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was, it's almost like uh film noir esque stuff. Yeah. Which is odd in a, in a film that's fairly graphic, but it's like, he's washing his back. That means they're gay. They're yeah. doing yoga together. That means they're gay. Like, but and it wasn't just that too. It was the fact that those scenes, like the yoga scene and the backwashing scene, like all kind of happened like right back to back at one point in the film, and it didn't seem to come up before or after. <laughs> like, yeah, in fact, I I think it might be an editing problem or something because that that character, the the Swedish guy, is introduced right whenever he goes into the prison at the beginning, and yeah. then we don't see him again until the weird relationship montage okay yeah so maybe if those scenes were like even if there was those same scenes but they were spread out throughout the film so you got the impression that this was an ongoing relationship because the way it played in the movie for me it was almost as if these guys were like friends for four years while they were and then he's like then they banged a few times and then they went back to being buddies and it's like that's not 
that's a weird thing to have happen in the middle of your prison movie. You would think that you're going to, like, if you're going to have this, you need to do it differently. And that might just be the times, right? Like, having a homosexual storyline in your movie in 1978 might have been a very difficult thing to do in a movie where you're trying to appeal to mainstream audiences. So maybe that's the issue. Possibly. I don't know. Like I said, it's all well done. I mean, so I don't have a lot of complaints about it. No. But I mean, we're we're getting pretty nitpicky when we complain about this one little element of it that wasn't overall didn't really affect the movie very much. I I think they just did they did a very good job of judging uh, when the thing should be shown on camera and when the thing should be applied. Yeah, especially with like even with the violence and stuff. They like always take you up to a point and then they're like, okay, well, you know what's going to happen. So we're not going to show you. We're going to cut away. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes the way they handled it too, like there's the one scene where there's a bunch of little kids that get their feet beaten with the sticks, which is not particularly relevant plot wise. It's just a thing that happens. But instead of showing their feet get hit, they showed the kids faces. And I don't know what they did to those kids to put those looks on their faces, but it was hard to watch their faces. The, the way they displayed pain was like terrible. And you're right. like, oh my god, like I don't want to see these children looking like they're in this much pain. And I can't remember exactly what the explanation is, but it's really interesting because that's whenever he's talking about uh, gay sex stuff that it's it's extremely taboo there, but apparently everyone does it. Yeah. So one one child gets either caught or accused of it. And as punishment, they round up five of them and beat them all for no reason. Well, yeah, the impression I got was that it was sort of like this one kid had been raped. And then they just randomly selected five kids and were like, we assume you guys are to blame. But it was the, there was no indication that they actually went and found the kids that were directly responsible. It was more just, a, we're just going to punish a group. Which is a, like... It's a weird way to handle a very specific crime like that. You wouldn't anticipate that to result in a group punishment. Yeah. So, yeah. So this one, it's a recommend. It's long. It's long, but it's never uninteresting. And it's, I, I think it, if you really get on board with that main character and you start to feel bad for him early in the movie, I think it'd probably be a very interesting, a much more interesting journey. I still found it to be quite interesting, even though I didn't, really like that guy uh, so yeah yeah I feel like the points it loses for being excessively long it makes up in John Hurt yeah like you could edit the like John Hurt maybe gets 15 minutes of screen time you could make the movie that much shorter but you wouldn't have John Hurt and who would want that who would right. ever make that decision you know like I don't know what you would really take out of this movie if you didn't because everything, nothing would work, right? Like, if you edited down that first four years where everything kind of goes smoothly, if you were to try to edit that down and make it shorter, then it would lose the impact when the twist comes and he finds out he has to stay, right? And the same thing with everything else that goes on. If, if the movie works, flows so well that you wouldn't want to fuck with it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the only thing maybe you could edit out would be the the relationship with the guy, but... Once again, I feel like it does. It serves a purpose as that representation of that that stabilizing force he has in the beginning. Yeah, I, I 
I think you either take that out or you make it better. If like right. me me lecturing these filmmakers who made this fantastic film about that's <laughs> like world renowned, and I'm like, yeah, but this is how you guys should have done it better. Um, yeah, I I think it should have either been handled with more respect and given more time to to progress, or it should have just been not happened at all because the way it happens is weird. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Sorry. It's uh I don't think it's available free anywhere, but you can rent it most places. It is on Amazon Prime in Canada, I think. Is it that is, how it, I it is that? not here. I might be wrong. I watched it somewhere. <laughs> I don't recall now. It's been a whole day since I watched it. Now I don't remember how I watched it. Up renting it on the voodoo. Yeah, we don't get that here, so it's a vicious cycle. It's a good thing. It's owned by Walmart. You guys don't want it. Yeah. It's 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 a symptom of societal poison. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, so we do have a little bit of uh, feedback here. Uh, Eric, we'll get to yours on the next episode. I apologize. This is, Eric's has been there for a couple of weeks now, so yeah, I'm just I'm just letting you know because Brian's Brian's out of town and he does most of the editing, and I don't want to like screw him with editing stuff. That he by most of the editing, we mean all of the editing. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, so the other one is an email from Nathan Austin. Uh, after listening to the episode discussing only lovers left alive, I was wondering if any of you had seen the 2012 film Byzantium. It is a highly underrated, hardly ever discussed vampire movie, which never got a proper theatrical release. It stars Gemma Arterton. I don't know that name. Oh my god, what are these names? Sorois? Ronan? Yeah, because it's a uh, I think it's it's a foreign film. S-S-A-O-I-R-S-E Yeah, it's one of the bad guys from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, Is Vampires Hiding Out in a Coastal Town? It was beautifully shot with interesting plot lines and mature serious tone. If an upcoming show is vampire-themed, perhaps it can be considered to be covered. Thanks for always entertaining show, guys. Nate from Minnesota. Yeah, um, so no, I haven't seen that movie. It was on my watch list at one point, and I forgot about it until right now. And as soon as I heard the title, I'm like, oh yeah, I always wanted to see that. <laughs> so it's, hopefully it's I'll check it out soon. My, my problem is I tend to skip van- vampire movies. Because I feel like people that make vampire movies always think they're being clever. Like, I'm going to make a vampire movie, but it's going to be this. And I'm like, eh, shut the fuck up. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes they are clever. So you got to factor that in. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Sometimes they are clever, but the majority of them only think yeah. they're clever. And that's obnoxious. I don't. You don't need to be clever in genre filmmaking. Just just make the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't. Yeah. It, I, I see what you're saying. Is like, there's so many out there that you kind of miss the good ones because you're trying not to watch the bad ones. Um, but 
there are good ones every now and again. It sounds like we're getting a recommendation for one. I'm going to try to check it out. I don't know when. So when I say try to check it out, I mean, who knows? I may bring it up again in like an October show. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Remember that email we got six months ago? I was going to say, what I would really like is a new vampire movie that is actually frightening in any fucking That'd be movie. interesting. Because, hard to do. Right. I have not seen one in a long, long time that you're actually like, okay, well, that was spooky. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, sad, sadly, I think the best vampire movie made in the last 10 years is what we do in the shadows. <laughs> and that is a comedy mockumentary. I, I, I did uh, Only Lovers Left Alive is the one we covered last week. Um, and it is good, but it has some similarities to what we do in the shadows in that it's kind of this weird like day in the life of these vampires <laughs> just right. kind of like checking in with these vampires who are trying to live a normal everyday life um it, it it's ironic how similar the eight concepts are even though they're very that, different films uh, that's the one with tilda swinton in it right yeah i've, I've not seen it it it's good but if you're complaining about cool hand luke have not having anything happen in it it's it could you could argue it suffers from the similar problems i i was getting ready to say and i was just complaining about art house films and tilda swinton is a double-edged sword well because while she is a fantastic actress she is also a foreboding warning of some art house crap yeah and it's tilda swinton working with jim jarmusch so it's yeah like it is it walks the line of pretentious hard house crap. Uh, I really, I ended up really liking it, but I could see how if they pushed me just a little bit further, I wouldn't have. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, the, not you, but the listeners know my thoughts on that very well. Cause I discussed it for like a half an hour last week. So I won't get into details, but it's, it's a really well-made film. I've not listened to it yet. Cause I have not seen either of those movies. So it's like, okay. uh, yeah. I listened to the intro though. I was going to see if I recognize. I, I unlike most people, have not been in the uh, the horror podcasting community since the ye old days of yore. Okay. <laughs> so I do not know all the peoples. Everyone else knows all the peoples. It's funny how there's a little community of us that have been like around podcasting since you know for the, ten or fifteen years ago, and it's like. Oh, so everybody kind of knows everybody's name, and I see everybody pop up on Facebook, and I know about their lives, even though I've never met these people. And, you know, right. it's funny. Brian always does that. We'll be hanging out, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, you you know what's his uh, uh, John Turkleton from from the Bloodcast or something like that?" And I'd be like, "Who the fuck is? I don't know these fucking people. That that podcast stopped being made fifteen years ago." <laughs> yeah, well. One thing about podcast fans, they can be pretty loyal. Right. Uh, and I think that's all the feedback. So, uh, Doug, did you watch anything? Uh, yeah, well, I've got some stuff because it's been a while since we had this kind of conversation. Uh, let me double check here. Well, the first thing I'll just mention briefly because I'm sure we'll end up discussing it in more detail one day, but I watched Plan 9 from Outer Space for the first time in a long time. Nice. And I got to say, like, watching that movie. Everyone, it has its reputation as worst movie ever made. It does not even belong in the discussion of worst movie ever made. It, it is not good. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> but it's as good as a lot of other B-movies from the era. 
and there's a couple of really decent shots and the plot line's kind of there so i don't understand why it has the reputation and i i had i haven't seen it in like decades so i uh I, yeah i i don't understand the hate for it or the or the love for it the where the love is based on people's hate for it <laughs> oh, however you want uh, it. it's it's bad but trying to compare it to like a troll 2 or manos hands of fate yeah. or or fucking uh hercules in new york or whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like there's so many those are bad movies uh it's it's a weird disjointed movie but it's nowhere near the level of crap that that stuff hits hobgoblins hobgoblins is a bad movie yeah so anyways i i don't know i mean I, we don't need to have a detailed discussion on planet nine from outer space until the day that we uh, decided to do a commentary track for it or something but uh yeah it it i just don't understand why it has a reputation as worst movie it doesn't deserve it i feel the need to say that i'll move on uh the next thing i watched was a movie called the night eats the world you ever heard of this one i have not it's a french low-budget zombie film which like right away you're thinking of course you'll watch that right um it's very much like dawn of the dead in the sense that so there's this guy he's at a party he gets knocked unconscious in a weird way wakes up zombie apocalypse right so he's able to kind of gain control of this apartment building that he's living in or that he's visiting at the time of the apocalypse and he's it follows the dawn of the dead trend of like okay clear the area now i've got this place to live i've got lots of supplies i've got everything's going along pretty good except i'm stuck in this one area and there's the downside to that he's basically getting bored a lot um it follows it there's a uh an interesting little thing where there's a zombie stuck in the elevator and he doesn't he doesn't kill it he keeps it there and then he talks to it and stuff and it's super fucking weird um but i actually really liked it i thought it did like a really good job of following this kind of like this one character alone in this building for most of the movie and you're just like watching him go through his day-to-day life and it's a pretty quick movie it was like less than an hour and a half i think and it was uh you just kind of like follow this guy on his on his little journey and eventually you know another character shows up as you might imagine but it starts you know challenging him and saying well what's what's the point of keeping yourself alive if you're never gonna fucking leave this building again and all all that stuff that you expect from a zombie movie kind of happens but it was a good one it was well executed um, the zombies looked all right. There wasn't a lot of zombie action in it because this guy's inside the building most of the time, and the zombies are stuck outside. But there is like there's interesting little moments. Like there's a he early on he finds a drum kit and he starts playing it, and then he realizes all the zombies are like freaking out outside because he's playing this drum kit, and he's like, oh shit, I guess I can't do that, right? And then there comes a point later on where he's looking out the window and there, he hasn't seen a zombie in like a couple of days and he's kind of like wondering what the hell is going on and the next thing you know he's playing the drums again and you realize oh shit he's he's calling them back 
those are the only other living things living in, in quotation marks that he gets to see ever and he's fucking lonely when there's no zombies outside trying to claw their way in huh. so he's like literally calling them back and you're like that's an interesting thing to just kind of tag into your movie and then I don't know what it says about the human psyche, but it makes sense to me. It makes as much sense to me as anything else. So I'm like, all right. So it's it's, it's a big recommend if you like zombie movies and if you like the kind of the the lower budget, less action oriented, more human oriented ones. I liked it a lot. It sounds it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, like I say, not a long. It's not a long commitment less than an hour and a half. I think I watched that on Prime as well. So, you know, easily available. Um, and then I rewatched the movie Into the Wild. <sighs> Did you remember that one? Came out like a bunch of years ago, but the guy that decides to voluntarily become a hobo and move to Alaska and eventually dies, based on true story. Sounds familiar. I don't think I ever watched it. Yeah. Uh, it was weird watching it. I don't know if my mindset is a little more critical now. I remember liking it a lot. And it's one of those ones where it's like similar to the movies we talked about this week. It's like I kind of like watching this guy go on his journey and he does some cool, interesting things. But the movie definitely like romanticizes this like voluntarily hobo lifestyle. And you're like and then he's like, he goes off into Alaska on his own and he's going to live up there all by himself and eventually he just dies because he's not capable of doing that. And neither are most people, so it's not really a criticism of him. But it's like, I don't know that the message should be, hey, look at how great this guy, this life is that this guy's living when it eventually gets him killed. And it's kind of the inevitable going to get you killed kind of thing like yeah how long can you just be a hobo before something goes wrong you don't voluntarily become homeless that's a silly thing to do that's you know so uh i, I thought the film was really guilty of that but i really like a lot of the acting in it emil hirsch is the lead and he's really good and uh, I'm trying to think of who else was in it but like Vince Vaughn is in it weirdly. He's surprisingly good in a dramatic role. Uh, Jenna Malone plays the little sister of the main character. And a, certain parts of the movie are told from her, like as the narrator, just literally speaking over scenes, saying, like, oh, it's been this long since we heard from so and so. And she does a good job. So there's, there's, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff that goes on in the movie. A lot of, again, I think it just, it's hard not to think about the fact that you're going to trick young people into trying to do this. And like people, stupid people are going to see this movie and go, that looks awesome and go do it and end up dead. Like this guy did. So, <laughs> cause it is a true story for, and from my understanding is it's pretty accurate. Um, but you know, that guy's is, you know, I don't know. I, I felt weird watching it. I'll say that <laughs> the whole time going like, that looks really fun, except, if you went this long without having any money, you probably wouldn't be in as good a shape as that Hollywood actor is. You'd probably be all like skinny, you'd be a lot dirtier and stuff. It's weird that they're kind of glossing over that. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm recommending it or not. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you take from everything I just said. That's that's a hard to judge one. I think I'd have to see it. Yeah. Um. So. Thank. 
guess I just accidentally recommended you see it then. <laughs> well, damn it. Right. My list of movies to watch is too long already. Yeah, mine too. Especially okay. whenever I keep watching all the same movies over and over again. Well, I don't know what to tell you about that one. So the last thing I watched, I don't know if you've got a chance to check it out or not, but I went and saw the supposed remake of Child's Play. Oh, no, I have not. No? Do you have any interest? or? Uh, I mean, I'll probably see it. I don't. I just don't know if I can bring myself to go. That Chucky doll looks really bad. Yeah. So here's the thing about this movie. I, I'm just going to say, recommend it. I had a great time watching it. I really, really enjoyed this movie. It is not a child's play remake at all. Like, get that out of your head. The fact that that doll's name is Chucky, and the fact that there's a uh, a mother, a single mother with a son, are the main characters. That's about the, the connections. This is, movie, is it Charles Lee Ray, or is it some no. kind of malfunctioning AI? It is malfunctioning AI. God damn it. It, again, they would do that shit. And and you know what? It's in the context of the movie, it works. Um, it's the opening scenes of the movie are literally like at a factory in Vietnam where these dolls are being built, and one of the guys is getting fired, and they're like, "Just finish this doll, and then you're out of here." And he's like, "Fine." So like before he puts the microchip in the doll, he turns off all the safety protocols on it. And then sticks it in. So it's literally like the Simpsons joke. He's the guy in the factory that switched the doll from good to evil. <laughs> like that's that's the opening of this movie, and that happens, and you're just like, "All right, I guess that's what we're watching now." And you're kind of like chuckling along with the movie right away. The doll is cursed. Ooh, that's bad. For the free yogurt. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> so the. the Picture this though. Then um, Aubrey Plaza's character literally um, takes the doll that's being returned to the store where she works, and she just threatens the guy in charge of handling returned merchandise into letting her keep it. <laughs> she gives it to her kid, who shows it Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which is a very bad influence on the doll, <laughs> and. All of a sudden, you get some great kills, lots of fun, just gore. Um, you know, they do the thing where most of the people, right before they die, they make sure everyone knows they're an asshole, so you don't have to feel bad for them being dead. By by Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, you mean actual Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, or yeah. the second of the remakes? No, the actual. They actually show the Chucky doll, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. See, now I'm going to go see it. And so, like, there are clips of, like, Leatherface from that movie and Chop Top, like, on the screen. And then Chucky's like, oh, this is what Andy likes. I want to be Andy's friend, so I'm going to go get a knife and bring it in and try to kill Andy's friend. You didn't. You didn't my skull plate. <laughs> it's so, and you, you know, I mean, I think, like, the hint, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 scene there, it, let you know what tone they're going for in this movie. They're not trying to be a serious horror film. It's just a fun little romp. There's some good kills. Again, get it out of your head that it's a child's play remake. It's like the movie is full of little references to other horror movies. And I think that you could almost just say, oh, naming the doll Chucky is just a reference to child's play because that's a different movie about a killer doll. Um, you know, it's it's so different that it's 
not. But yeah, I mean, they're like, I don't want to spoil any of the kills for you because they're fun. But and there's just there's a lot of like weird little meta humor built in that you'll get if you're a horror fan. Like there's a scene where they're complaining about how they make too many accessories to try to make just different versions of the of the doll and then they walk by and one of the things on the shelf is a leprechaun costume and i'm <laughs> like oh, i get it i see what you're doing there you crazy filmmaker guys there's one scene where as a result of chucky's murdering and killing the andy character ends up gifting a watermelon to his only black neighbor and i'm like that's on purpose that's not technically a joke you're making but you know what you're doing. You're trying to make me laugh at that. So, I don't know. I, I, I recommend people see it. It's a really good time. Don't think of it as a Child's Play movie at all. It's, it's not anything like the original Child's Play, other than the fact that they live in a building that looks very similar to the building from the original Child's Play. Hmm. I'll just have to decide if I'm going to go see it in the theater or wait for it to come out on video. Yeah, I... I wasn't going to see it in theaters. I, I knew I'd end up seeing it eventually, because let's be honest. But uh, the, I, I'd made the decision not to see it in theaters, because I didn't think the trailers looked very good, to be honest. Like, I, I just I wasn't happy they were remaking Child's Play, and then the trailer came out, and I'm like, that doesn't look good. And then they, they're like, yeah, but Mark Hamill. I'm like, oh, you pricks. Like, now I gotta see it, right? Yeah, I think it was the opposite. I was like, I don't care. And then they're like, Mark Campbell. And I was like, all right, I'm in. And then they showed a picture of the doll, and I was like, I'm out again. Yeah. So, uh, I will say, Mark Hamill is fucking perfect. Like, I knew he'd be good. He's better than I expected. He's this perfect mixture of sinister and comical that they need for this movie. With just enough of his actual voice in there where the whole time you're like yeah that's Mark Hamill <laughs> it's like so fun and he's great in it and he's got this little song he sings <laughs> and it's just like that's super fun and they have at the end credits it's just Mark Hamill as in the Chucky voice singing the whole like buddy theme song and you're just oh, like awesome. <laughs> just like yeah I sat and watched the whole credits <laughs> just so I could hear Mark Hamill singing in a Chucky voice I yeah it's it's a recommend it's not great art it's just a really fun kind of slashery type movie and is there at least a, a brad duraf cameo or something i don't think there is anything like that it's yeah i mean there's everything is again it's there there's virtually no connection to the original movie other than a kid gets a doll doll turns out to be evil but that's that's not enough to call it child's play in my opinion i think they should have made this movie with a different title and just altered it slightly to make the doll not look like Chucky at all. Yeah, it's almost closer to Small Soldiers. Yeah. Which I've been looking for something to team up for Small Soldiers to put it on the list. So, I should have uh, should have teamed it up with this. And there is, like, it sounds so cheesy, but there's this whole thing where Chucky can, uh, part of the AI in the doll, he can like, point his finger at your TV, and if your TV is made by the same electronics company he can actually be like your remote and control things so then when the ai is off the rails and he's doing crazy shit that gives him also all sorts of more creative ways to kill people because he controls a bunch of the electronics in anybody's home so that's fun and he records everything you say and do so he can play it back for you later so every now and again when he kills somebody because 
he's responding to something Andy said. He's like, Andy's like, I never wanted that guy hurt. And he like, he starts playing back the parts where Andy's saying he was mad at the guy or whatever. That's really funny. There's it, like, I, yes, you, yes, you did. The, uh, the relationship between Andy and Chucky is in a lot of ways similar to the relationship between uh, John Connor and the Terminator in T2. It's like he's like, no, 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 you can't actually hurt people just because I said I wanted that guy hurt. Like, it's like he's training an AI thing to try to behave itself. Right it's after natural. after it's murdering people. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. So I don't know. I I'm speaking very highly of it, and I I, I think it's just it's part of it is just how surprised I was by how much I enjoyed that. Huh. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I'd be curious to find out what the overall reaction is because I don't always pay enough attention to the internet to know what other people think of movies. I think a lot of people are, seem to be liking it. I'm not sure how well it did financially. Nice. I don't. I don't think they can possibly make a sequel to it though because spoiler alert: they uh, they killed it all at the end of the movie. So I don't see any way to come back from that. I don't. I, I would hope they didn't start making sequels to it because the the rights issues with the uh, the Chucky movies are already getting to the point. Yeah, it was. Well, uh, yeah, I even read uh, an interview with the director of this movie, and he said like he got called into the studio like after they'd started making the movie, and they're like, "This one kill, you can't do that because it's like too similar to a kill from like Child's Play three, and we don't own the rights to Child's Play three, so they're going to think you're referencing Child's Play three, and then they're going to sue us." And he's like, "But I wasn't trying to do that. And it's a pretty generic kill. Like this probably happens in a lot of horror films." And they're like, "Yeah, but if you got to change it," so he did, and it's like the results are very good. Um, I, I won't spoil what the results of that were because you should go into that kill unspoiled. But uh, it's it's funny how like they have to think of don't kill a guy in a certain way because it's too much like how we killed a guy in a previous film. So uh, weird. Well, uh, I actually watched a few things. Yeah, that's good, William. It's been a couple uh, of weeks. Right. Well, it seems like my, my movie my movie watching times really become restricted. That's making me sad. Now. Well, it's upsetting everybody because the podcast keeps being short. Right. Uh, so I watched the first few episodes of the new Twilight Zone. Okay. Uh, I dig it. All right. See, I'm not hearing a lot of positive things about it. It's it's fine. I I think I don't. I I feel like the complaints people are having. I don't understand how you could like the old Twilight Zone and then have the complaints that people have about this one. Like, some people complain that it gets a little preachy and stuff at times, and it's like, did you watch the original series? <laughs> like, the original series is nothing but being preachy. Like, that's pretty much what every fucking Twilight episode was. It was and with weird intermittent ones, you know what I mean? It's like, preachy, 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 okay, there's a thing on the side of the plane. Preachy, 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 okay, there's a, a dude who breaks his glasses, <laughs> you know? Yeah. In which I, I think it's following the same mold. Yeah, I, I have heard the the complaint about it being preachy. Um, like having not watched it, it's like what the way people have been describing it to me. I'm like, yeah, that does sound like a, it's really, really preachy. But what do I know? I think the f- episode three is a, just a little. It's a little heavy handed. Okay, because it's a. Uh, 
uh, it's a time rewinding episode where you know the lady has a camcorder that as long as she's recording she can rewind it it rewinds time and she can do it over again okay and it is a uh, black lady taking her son to college and of course there is an evil cop who they keep having run-ins with and basically ends up killing one of them over and over and over and over again and it's it's I, I mean the illustration that they're going for makes sense because it's it's that whole idea of you know everybody always says well if you would have put your hands up if you would have been more respectful if you would have pulled your thing out faster if you would have did this if you would have did that you know th- this cop wouldn't have shot you and in this you know the the whole thing is it doesn't matter that cop was going to do this no matter what happened from the second they interacted with each other they were doomed you know yeah. And and that's I think that's fine, and I think that story was a cool story, but then it has it has the happy ending at the end of it. Which oh. Yeah, which isn't good. Like you you shouldn't have had the happy ending, you should have had the bad ending. Like it seems like it, but Right. I, I feel like you don't because the message kind of gets ruined at the end whenever they make a big preachy speech and then you know it's like, oh no, ha ha, we finally solved it. And it's like no, fuck you. Like, sorry. I mean, it's just—I don't know. Something, something about it. Something about uh, 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 a good, dark, messed-up story like that having the the everything works out ending pisses me off. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would fit. But right. Again, having not seen it, I won't comment. I have heard that complaint about that episode. Yeah, that's, and that's it's really the only complaint I have, and I still think it's a good episode. I just don't think the ending's good. Like, it's not a good ending compared to what it could have been. But I, I mean, comparing it to the mystery of space. So. Uh, then I was kind of in a Tony Todd mood, so I rewatched Candyman. Oh, I've been thinking about rewatching Candyman. Does it hold up? Yeah, Candyman's so good. I haven't seen it in years and i think you know what i think i actually ended up re-watching it because i was watching twilight zone because <laughs> i was thinking about jordan peele and i was like yeah jordan peele and i was like maybe i should watch some more uh uh real uh racial horror and see like what this <laughs> one from a decade or two ago was like and see if it's now uncomfortable and i was like no no it's not uncomfortable i don't think i've seen Candyman since the '90s, so I should probably rewatch it. I mean, the only the only thing that's weird about it now is because uh, it, it, I don't know if you remember this, but it takes place in a place called uh, Cabrini Greens, yeah, which was a project in Chicago that was really really bad, and it it it's one of those weird things where everything almost looks post apocalyptic because those neighborhoods were so bad. And they were real, and I feel like with gentrification and and people slapping paint over a lot of that, those things to make them look not as bad as they actually are, if you actually, you know, pull the lid off the cookie jar and look inside. Uh, so I feel like, so, so that's a little weird now thinking about it because you're like well cabrini greens doesn't even exist anymore they demolished it and now it's million dollar luxury condos of course it is so 
I don't know. So so that was odd. It, but like I said, it, I, it holds up. Tony Todd's awesome. Tony Todd he's, is awesome. That's true. Yeah, he's such a great uh, bad guy. Because he doesn't have to do a lot to be intimidating exist. and scary. You know what I mean? He's just, this giant, scary-looking human being with like the deepest voice in the history of acting. And I'm terrified of bees. And so Um, something about that movie, it's like extra frightening for me because the thought of like being covered in bees, I'm like, (laughs) Like, it's the worst. It's the worst thing that could happen. I'm going to watch, I'm going to add Candyman to the list of movies that we need to watch and then select it soon. And then you're going to have no choice but to watch it again. That doesn't bother me. I like horror movies that frighten me. Just not the dentist. Because that doesn't frighten me. That just makes like all my hair stand on edge and go, ah. I put the dentist on the list like two weeks ago. No! Why? Because <laughs> I needed something to team up with Dr. Giggles. Fuck. It's on the list now. We don't have nothing we can do about it. <laughs> There's no escape now. Uh, and in, uh, I'm, I've started running uh, uh, Ghost of Salt Marsh in my D&D game. So I needed some aquatic horror uh, inspiration. So I rewatched uh, Deep Star Six. I don't think I've ever seen that. You haven't seen that one, so it it kind of came out in that uh, that short period of time where underwater horror got real big when uh, yeah. Abyss and Leviathan and all those movies came out. Yeah, this one's a really weird part of the eighties. Yeah. And, and well, in this one, I, I feel like it's kind of like a lost treasure in those movies, because in a lot of ways it's better. Like, so the abyss—I'm not going to com- compare it to the abyss. The abyss is like one of those movies that's in a weird, separate echelon of filmmaking. Yeah, those, those special effects to this day are fucking amazing. I agree with that. I don't think The Abyss is a great movie from a story perspective and things like that, but the effects are what make the movie. Oh, man. Well, and uh, what's-his-face is acting. But I always forget his name. What's his name? The guy who played John Pollock? I can't remember. I know his name, but I'm choosing not to tell you because I like it when you struggle. He was also in that shitty WWE movie where he was a teacher and uh, uh, they accuse him of being gay. And he refuses to say he's not gay to teach the kids a lesson about life. It's, a, it's a really bad movie. I don't think I've seen that one. It's called That's What I Am. Right. I watched it specifically because he was in it. And I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. And I was like, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> the WWE just had enough money to get a good actor. No, I, uh, I wasn't going to watch that movie. And now I'm really not going to watch that movie. It's good. You're, <laughs> you, are, you are on the right side. So, so don't, don't watch that movie. But so Deep Star Six is kind of like uh, it's another one of those ones. They're in a like an underground research facility, and they come across a a thing, and they're like, "Oh, something bad happened here!" And then giant crazy crab monster things attack them. Cool. Which that's dope. Crazy giant crazy crab monsters are pretty cool. Yeah, crazy crazy mutant crab monster. Hundred percent. I'm I'm so down with crazy crab monster thing. Do the but, monsters look cool? That's really what counts. Yeah, and they do. They, I, I think it's it's a lower budget movie, so they do a good job of not showing you the crab monster too much. Fair enough. Like you get a lot of crazy crab clawy hand killing somebody, but it, but it's good enough. We should probably maybe I should throw that on the list. Maybe I can find another underwater horror movie to team it up with. 
teaming up with another giant crab movie. Teaming up with uh, what's that? A terrible made-for-TV one about the killer squid beast. Is that the name of it? I think so. Uh, maybe. Where they seem to confuse an octopus and a squid for some reason. <laughs> they keep they keep giving all these science facts, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I don't I don't know a lot about animals, but I know what you're talking about is an octopus, and that is clearly a squid. <laughs> Random side note, that's another thing I watched this week was that footage of the giant squid that was ca- captured in like the Gulf of Mexico or something. That is some creepy-ass footage. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, those giant squids are terrifying. It's just this one, though. It's just like, all you see is like, because it's all dark, because it's so the camera's so far underwater, and you just the tentacles just kind of come out, and like it shoots in, and then just immediately runs away, because it, it's probably like just tapping at the camera to figure out what the fuck it is. Right. But it looks so cool. Uh, and and then the other week, so I watched Terror Vision for the okay. show, and then I didn't get to talk about Terror Vision. Terror Vision's awesome. I haven't listened to that episode yet. I'm assuming you all agree that Terror Vision is awesome. Nobody thinks that except you. I, I, we have a brief I, discussion about how you're the only person in the world who would think that. You guys, you guys are awful. It's so fun. It melts people. It's delightful. It melts people. <laughs> Therefore, it's delightful. I agree. The melting people was well done. It's here's here's the thing. That movie is delightful because it is just bonkers. It's bonkers on another level of. I mean, it's because it's full moon, right? And even even as a full moon movie, it's still over the top. Which that's it's kind of hard to do in that particular. Yeah, it. My description of it was: I think I said it's like if Troma tried to make a family-friendly movie, though it's way over the top compared to a full moon movie. Right? How weird is it that there's no nudity in that film? It's super weird, especially it's- since it looks like it looks like they decorated the the entire set of that movie with Charles Band's personal collection of hand-drawn erotica. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Because you know that's that's got to be what that is. You you look at those walls and you're like, you know what? I I would like to say they painted those for this movie, but they did not. Those were hanging in Charles Band's house. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, then. Trying to think, I watched something else because I watched something based on watching television. Now I can't remember what what it was. Come back to me. Come back to me. And this is the part where we would throw to Brian, but he's not here, so right now we just have an awkward break in the middle of the show. It was another. Doing. It was another TV based uh, horror movie, and I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't it was, Video Dead by any chance, was it? No, it was no, it wasn't. Watching. It wasn't Video Dead because uh, once I found out that I wasn't going to be on the show that week, I was like, okay, I don't have to watch that again. <laughs> yeah, I put those on the list too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I did that. <laughs> so you put you, you intentionally disappointed yourself. Well, no, I hadn't seen either movie before, and I thought they looked interesting and they were kind of those things where I'm like, I kind of want to see those, but I don't know if they're going to be good. So I will put them on the list. And at least if they're bad, everybody else has to watch them too. What did the, so what did you guys end up thinking of video dead? That was yeah. shitty. The yeah, zombies was, look really cool. I was going to say, it's usually pretty divisive. People are either like, no, it's great. Or I thought it was boring. 
Yeah, there's not like I mean we we talked about it for a while and there's nothing really good about the movie except the zombies do look cool and that's not enough. Right. So it was yeah, I mean storytelling was non-existent, the acting was terrible, all that kind of stuff. You can listen to the show and find out exactly what we thought. We'll definitely do that to try to refresh my memory and see if I can figure out what this movie was. Ah! 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 Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, next week. Since I suppose I have control. I was going to say you get to pick something, but we hadn't discussed it, so. I know. I get to pick something, and Brian's not here to object to anything. <laughs> So it's like, I, I have carte blanche. Well, let's... Come on, there's still someone here to object. So next week we will do... Nightmare City and City of the Living Dead, because that was the one that you wanted to watch and you're not going to be here. Oh no, the joke is on you. I will be here next week to watch Nightmare City and City of the Living Dead. It's the following week that I won't ah. Then I have changed American Ninja and American Samurai. Fuck all that shit. You're on the record. It's no, Nightmare it's City. Too, no, it, it is. Lunch. No, no, you made your decision. It is Nightmare City. <laughs> and if you be a prick about it, I'm going to bring up the fact that next week I get to pick the movies, even though I'm not going to be here the following week. So don't Fine. push your luck. Fine. I will watch the movies that I love. Nightmare City and City of the Living Dead. Perfect. Yeah, I, I have no objections to watching those. Oh man, I can't wait! Ra- radioactive, blood-sucking super zombies. Yeah, that's you didn't have to do the whole plot description right now. You could have saved it for next week's show, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I love uh, the plot description of that movie. Is there's a bunch of people in a room doing a thing, and then blood-sucking <laughs> mutate <laughs> atomic zombies come running in the room. <laughs> Wash, rinse, repeat for an hour and a half. All right, looking forward to those. All right. So hopefully, did we actually do a proper sign off? Do we have a proper sign off? Well, you just said see you guys next week. <laughs> but do we do that now? Just <laughs> guess we'll find out whether this part is edited in or edited out. <laughs> I'm assuming Brian's not going to edit any of this, and it's going to be really weird. They did a good job with the show that Anthony and I put together. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.